Welcome to Surviving Society Presents the Terms and Conditions podcast, aka the T's and C's. This is our reflection, basically. Um, I'm Chantelle Lewis. I'm Tisa Regis. Please bear with us as we are recording remotely. Luckily, we've got our trusty executive producer, Alice, in the studio, who's trying to sort this out for us. We're going to try and do a weekly reflection on basically the sociology of what's happening right now. Just before we get into this, I think it's important that we say something that we're going to try and do. Obviously, the government have said they're offering mainly loans and some grants to people that are in precarious positions. We're very privileged in that we have a strong listenership. We've got a good audience. And what that means is we possibly have access to people that maybe have sturdy incomes and salaries with regards to helping other people out. What we're doing at the moment, and this will be live by the time this episode comes out, is adding some lower tiers onto our Patreon. Basically, what we want to try and do is increase our patrons that have more people that are kind of on the periphery of academia come and join us for these reflections, these pandemic reflections episodes, and we want to pay them as well because so many people have been out of have out of work now because of this. Like, it is insane how many people that we know, T, right, that are self-employed. We're a tiny, tiny platform, but we want to try and see if we can redistribute any sort of capital we can. But yeah, so let's get into it. Thank you for listening to that bit. Welcome to the T's and C's. T's and Chantel. Also known as the Terms and Conditions. Right. Well, which one is not Chantel? The end of the world's coming. Like, anywhere you want. Anywhere you want. We've been in contact throughout this, but when we were chatting the other day, when Boris was on TV, when he was like, you are now no longer allowed to leave your house unless it's for shopping or exercise, blah, blah, blah. And you just went to me, it's a wrap. And I was like, oh my God. It is, it is a wrap. <laughs> I've been of late reading a bit of Stuart Hall, famous sociologist, political philosopher. Well, I don't know what you'd call him. He, he, he called himself he called himself a teacher. Didn't he? He's a culture Co- theorist, isn't he? he called himself a teacher. He said, I'm a teacher. Social football, mate. He's like a seminal work police in the crisis. And um, I kind of like, I've been linking that to what we've been seeing going on to Bob. Well, in this last week or so. so. Prior the actual event of the lockdown, in inverted commas, you had this rumour flying around the internet, there's going to be a lockdown, a lockdown. So this became a kind of the common language, which you're speaking of, right? That everyone was referring to this culturally as a lockdown. It hadn't happened yet. So, Boris Johnson gives his announcement. In nowhere does he use the word lockdown. He says, we're going to restrict your movements. Restrictions, 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 right? Because, effectively, we're not locked down because we have we can do certain things, right? What is lockdown? Captain Common is like Sens Parks right now. Exactly. But, but look, the word lockdown, we use it in terms of prisons, right? We use it in terms of total shutdown and removal of liberties, right? That you can't do anything. That's what lockdown implies. The primary definer, i.e. the experts, Boris Johnson and his cabinet and the scientists didn't say the word lockdown. They say restrictions, right? The media took the word lockdown and, and they kind of cut his language down into bite-sized pieces for the masses, right? So the matter yeah. referring to this word lockdown. So now this word lockdown becomes common knowledge. Now the experts who first pro- who first defined this start using the word lockdown as official language. So now you've prepped the mind and prepped everyone so I can take more liberties away from when I want to. Because your mind's set up for a lockdown. Even though he never said that, that was never the case. So you've mentally prepared yourself for a lockdown. 
but that was never the action. Stuart Hall talks about this, this kind of process when you talk about mugging in, in policing the crisis. You can see how different organs of the state refine that language and start using that language. But this upset, they never said lockdown. Lockdown was a word that was common, the common people were using. The experts, the officials just want to restrict movements. But we've locked ourselves down. So when he does say, we're going to lock shit down, you're ready. You're not going to complain. You've mentally prepared yourself for that. It is, it is the madness. But, and also, it's really important to just caveat that. And it's not that we're saying that physical distancing and being physically separate from people isn't really important to fight in this. What you're talking about is actually the sociology of what and what Stuart Hall yeah. told us in yeah. Peace in the Crisis, yeah. how yeah. we link, how the, the intrinsic nature of media um, descriptors and discourses and how that is used by governments to, yes, yeah, you say, control the masses. Control. And then what, I, what we also have to be careful, and what's kind of shocked me is how do people reacted. We become so used to doing what we want. Even if it will save lives, the idea of not being able to do what you want, people have lost their mind. And it shows you how spoiled we've become, how privileged we are. We can literally do what we want, right? And if it comes to saving lives, I'm hearing people saying, it doesn't matter. Some woman said she went to see a pal. She went to see her mate, and her mate's 80. But she said, she doesn't care what Boris Johnson said. He's an idiot. And she said, I'm going to see her mate anyway. And I'm like, we've been so used to be doing what we want. Mm. Even if it came to save lives, we can't sacrifice that anymore. Because that neoliberal idea of individualism, fuck it anyway. I'm going to mm. do what I want. so deeply entrenched in people that they can't share anything. Even if it meant saving their own family's lives, right? And it's a madness. Like, if you look at the three options available of how to stop this virus, the three examples given. China being a totalitarian state. South Korea being probably a model democracy, a modern liberal democracy. And the West being traditional post-industrial states. The, the West, what do we do? They lie to their population. South Korea were open and transparent, tested, used, used technology for for its benefit, right? So they set up they set up drive through drive through testing centers. They were testing from the day before even before even landed in South Korea. They were testing from day one. This sort of brings me on to how I've been feeling about this situation and how I've made sense of it, or not made sense of it actually. Is that as cynical as I am? Like you'll know if you listen to the podcast, I don't have much faith in governments. What's been really difficult for me personally is realising that even myself as a very cynical person when it comes to government, that I I was completely wrong. I was one of these people that was like, three weeks ago, I was like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, the government, they'll be know what they're doing, they're handling it, blah, blah, blah. I kind of didn't take it seriously until about 12 days ago now, I'd say. And then I was like, shit, they've actually lied to us. I believed what they were saying to us. When they were saying, just wash your hands, wash your hands, I was like, yeah, 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 cool, wash your hands. Like, we've just got to keep clean, do the hygiene thing. But no, they were gambling with our lives. And that's what I've done for the past week. I'm, I'm out the other end of it now, but it's been me personally coming to terms with that level of deception that the government has gone through with. See what you're feeling, that feeling... Even though you don't realise that, that you're tapping into the general zeitgeist, right? The zeitgeist is people don't trust any form of authority, hence the proliferation of conspiracy theories, the 5G, oh. the corona. And this is the thing, because there's, even the flat earth thing, because there's a distrust of authority, so people don't believe in anything anymore. And what happens if you don't believe anything? Knowledge knowledge, becomes, knowledge is worthless. And, it's, and I've said this before, I've said this before, there's a crisis of Western epistemology here. Because if no one believes anything, what is knowledge? Who has authority? You can say anything, and it's true, right? And yeah. this is just thing online. 
anything becomes truth because people don't trust the, the traditional sources of knowledge. So they'll trust totally down the road over me and you and uh, another uh, uh, all, our, all our peers who are sitting there and who peer reviewed uh, pieces of work. They'd rather trust Tony because he see Tony. And Tony, Tony goes through what he goes through, and that's and a it is, it is a madness, and I guess the other thing, as well as realising how much the government were basically lying to us and gambling with our lives, is also having to deal with the manifestation of conspiracy theories via our friendship networks, our family networks, like on WhatsApp, so dealing with that, but also dealing with people that are close to us, sort of really filtering or on the edge of talking about, give an example, Talk, like using really nationalist rhetoric and also like severe and well, what I would describe as severe and clearly saying things are anti-Chinese like the yeah. xenophobia and the racism and these are people but, that like I, I would consider a reason of, like but how do you explain the unknown like that's no, like what you're I need what to you're, you have to when you're trying to explain the unknown this is how myth is created belief steps in because you don't really understand what's happening and because no one's been clear from the very start, because, like I said, there's a distrust of traditional authority, but also there's, there's a lack of uh, knowledge on this particular mm-hmm. subject. Now, like I said, I gave, at the start of the kind of podcast, I said there was three examples. South Korea is the best example because they're very clear from the start with their people. Openness, transparency, and okay. testing. Now, China, because it's a totalitarian state, they don't have to do that. They can just lock them down. Hence, that's why they're getting over it a lot faster. But Britain, in liberal democracies, we can't do that. But because in our particular form of liberal democracies, people have been fast and loose with the truth. Truth is the truth, rather than the, rather than the absolute concept that it can be, they've chosen to use it as a relative concept that it can be as well. So they play fast and loose with it. So mm-hmm. they'll say stuff which might be partially true, or from a certain perspective it's true, or they haven't wholly told you a lie, but they haven't been fully honest with someone. And this has created a kind of distrust in everyone. And you can't have a democracy with this kind of level of distrust, man. And you can yeah. see it now. The system's under pressure. Economics, the fundamental, the fundamental basis of economics is confidence, right? Yeah. And confidence is you have to have trust in institutions, trust in the place that your money could be safe. Right now, no one trusts anyone. Mm-hmm. And look at the state that's got us in. Where your next door neighbor won't even like give you like, your, listen, I need you, bro. Nah, bro. Go down the road, bro. Like, listen, that's how it's got. <laughs> Obviously, there's examples of like um, community organising, which is brilliant, um, and it's so good seeing people looking after each other. Like, I love seeing all that stuff. But equally, and I guess this is like my cynical or maybe sociological imagination coming through, like getting messages or like a, a chain of messages from friends and family about being able to volunteer with the NHS, and it's like. Well, for me personally, I can't because I've, I've got a high-risk household. But it didn't need to be like this. You've got tens of thousands of beds in the NHS over the past 10 years. You have dis- you have disrupted any kind of structure that we could have had to fight what is happening here. And now people are being like, oh, come on, you've got a volunteer, you've got to help everyone, you've got to help everyone. Of course we want to, we, we need volunteering, is amazing, I totally, totally agree with that. But seeing the government push it through like like some sort of patriotic act, when literally the reason why we're in this situation, because they've been so fucking violent, is just what, a complete what, fuckery. What, what is, this is what I'm trying to say, I was trying to say to people, like, what's upsetting is, 
people vote for this. People ask for this. People enjoy this. So as long as I was all right, it was that kind of thing. So you broke down class bonds. You broke, you broke down all these forms of solidarity. For what? Market efficiency. The market's not saving no one right now, right? No. Where's the invisible hand? The invisible hand's gone. It's fled. It's fled. It's got, it's got coronavirus itself. It's fled. See, this is the thing. They let. They thought the markets. Like they talked about the markets. Like they were. They were. There was some kind of a person that was going to look after yeah. you. No, it didn't do anything. In fact, yeah. I can't. Who said it down there? I think it was Dan. Neoliberalism. Yeah. Neoliberalism yeah. failed because you can't even own your own home. You can't buy your own home. That was a, that was a dream, right? You could buy your. No kid can afford to buy their own home. And now with the with the what the media are calling the Greater Depression that's coming. No one's buying fuck all, right? Standard. I'm not even going to sell my phone. No way. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah. You might have to start selling your trainers. No, listen. No way. That's being very good for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess, I guess this might be... Obviously, this is our first episode. But yeah. I guess this might be the Calm Before the Storm episode. And no. that's what people don't realise, T. It's about to go down. It's not even the calm before the storm, right? It, like, it took three years, right, for the depression to kick in. The depression, the first one, in 1929. Right? You have to understand that period from, from, from here to Japan to China, it was full of dictators, man. People were upset. But badly disillusioned with government. So, for example, in Germany, people were upset with the Weimar Republic. That democracy, they, they didn't understand this. Men were in crisis, right? And Hitler promised men jobs. In fact, Mussolini promised men jobs. We're going to bring back men stuff. We have this crisis going on. We have similarities, right? We're at, we're at a very low point. And our leaders, people don't have faith in these leaders. People don't have faith in democracies. So other ideologies seem a, a lot more appealing. A strong man. You want strong men to take over. Look what happened in America. So this is the thing. Right now, you're, I, told, I told people this. Don't fuck with nationalism in Europe. Europe's got a bad run with nationalism. Yeah. And now look what's happened, man. Like, you've handed to this nationalistic tendency in people, and now people can't get along. They look to blame everyone but themselves. Listen, yeah. I'm part of that shit. I'm part of that shit. I want, I want old enough to vote for Thatcher and all that. But yeah, boy, I was part of the Labour generation, Tony Blair. He was fucking mashing people up at the same time. So listen, like, I take responsibility back, but I'm also... Sad enough to understand that like, we can't be like this no more. We can't. And I guess that's where, just bringing this to a close, um, episode one of the season C's, The Reflection, one of the things that I'm feeling a little bit down about this week is that it feels like it's going to take a long time for people to realise that neoliberalism isn't the one and that actually maybe lessons won't be learned. How many people have to die for lessons to be learned? Enough for this system to break down, right? So right now, what's the first thing to do when, when capital starts going funny? So they ask Trump a question. At, prior, prior to the pandemic breaking out, did you remove your assets? So obviously he's a, he's a president, but he's also a businessman. So he's yeah, got he assets. Didn't. Of course he did, but he never said yes. He did, but his answer, his silence, said he said yes. So what, what we need to do is those oligarchs that are just so greedy, we need to hold them to account and say, listen, you can't roll. I don't care if you make money. Well, don't be a billionaire. You don't need to be a billionaire. You've got so much money, why don't we just help a man out, right? All we want is a fair opportunity. I don't want your money, I want the opportunity. That's all. 
Thank you so yep. much, guys, for joining us for episode one of The Reflection. Um, as we said in the beginning, we are adding more layers and more tears to our Patreon so we can bring on um, anti-racist activists that work on the periphery of academia to give them some monies. Look after Thank yourselves you. and your family. Take care.